Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 40 called, I Lay My Hand on My Mouth. Job has been questioning the running of God, God's running of the world, his, even his handling of time. And God has appealed, if you were with us last time we were together in the book of Job, to the inanimate world, things like the earth that he made, the oceans, the stars, light and darkness, lightning, rain, hail, and snow. We even considered the thought of thought itself. In fact, how can I even think about these things? By what uh, design does my brain allow me to think deep thoughts, to ponder that the heavens do declare the glory of God? If I see a bird soaring in the air, if I see the wind moving through the trees, if I see a beautiful sunset with the uh, sky marked with all these different colors, if I consider the power of the waves, a snow-capped mountain, or the sun and the moon and the stars. Well, the fact that I can even consider those more deeply is because God gave me the ability to consider, to consider and think. And I would submit to you that we all need to do a little bit more considering of the beauty around us and the beauty that we sometimes take for granted even in one another. And as God used these uh, 77 questions that he asked Job, Within the questions I mentioned last time we were together are answers. And this is going to cause us to think a little bit more deeply, but here's a little bit of review. In Job 38.11, God brought up the rain. He says, or he brought up, I'm sorry, the waves. He says, I said, thus far the sea, uh, you shall come, but no farther. And here shall your proud waves stop, Job 38, 11. And the point there was, God told the sea, you can only go so far. He put a line in the sand, if you will. And when God brought up the sea to Job, he was saying, yes, the sea looks ominous sometimes, powerful and dark. And even in tsunamis and, and things when thing, times when things look out of control, God stops it. It can only go so far. And Job felt like he was in the washing machine. And God says, you know what? I, I put borders on the sea. It can only go so far. The sea is a picture of evil. And the Lord is saying to Job, evil has a limit. I will allow it at times for my own purposes, but it cannot cross the boundary for which I have of it. Secondly, Yahweh commands the rain in verses 25 through 28. 25 through 27 of chapter 38. And he commands the rain clouds to travel over desert, barren areas. If we had control of the weather, we would never think of these areas. We'd only probably as selfish human beings think about our part of the world or our crops or what we need. One writer says, if human beings directed the weather patterns, they would guide them for their own selfish benefit. They would preserve the precious rain solely for the cultivated land and neglect the barren step. But such an egocentric policy would upset the balance of nature and cause havoc to the cultivated lands. We talked about how with the rain, one application is that rain brings growth. 
But in Job's barrenness, as he asks questions about why what is happening to him is happening, here's part of what God is saying. Job, your life is going to become water and growth to barren lives that you can't even imagine. And this is going to happen not only in your generation as you are restored, but as people read your story throughout thousands of years of time, they're going to learn within your suffering and how you dealt with it and the questions and the answers that I am the answer to the problem of evil, that it's found in the power of the gospel. And there's even a hint in Job's suffering that there is one coming, the greater Job, who will go through his own desert experience and die uh, as the most innocent sufferer of all time and die on the cross inexplicably. And God will use that suffering to redeem the entire world and the universe. This, these are the ways of God. We don't always understand them, but here's what they are. And now God is going to take us into the world of wild animals of all things to prove his point. He's kind of gone from the inanimate uh, things like the clouds and the stars to the animate creation and namely here wild animals. And we're going to get some cameos from some different animals. It's going to be kind of cool. We'll have a few pictures for you as well. And this is about the wild animals coming across the screen. What can we learn from just a small sampling of things that God made? Well, God says to Job in 38, 39, can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens and lie in wait in their lair? I think it's interesting that God starts with the lion. The lion's supposed to be the king of the jungle. If you enjoy a little Wizard of Oz, ain't it the truth? Ain't it the truth? But you know, the lion still needs to be fed, and the little lion cubs need to be fed as well. And even though the lion is the king of the jungle, he is still subservient to the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen? And so... This king of the jungle comes across the screen, the first cameo to consider. Now, you may be wondering, well, why animals right now? Because God's reaching into the created world to show things about the creator. And God is moving into animal life to show if he cares for even wild animals that seem to be so distant from mankind, then he surely cares for Job that's made in the image of God. And he surely cares for Job, who's an upright and good man. And many of us have questions right now. You know, the world is a crazy place. There's so much going on. And we wonder, does God care for us? You know, David even said in Psalm 8, when I consider the, the heavens, the works of your fingers, the sun, the moon, and the stars that you have ordained, what is man that you care for him? But David knew God's loving care. And David became a shepherd after God's own heart. And in the midst of David's turmoil, he learned to trust God. In the world of creation, in the world of animals, in the world of shepherd and sheep, in the world of even wild animals, there are lessons. And the lesson is this, that God even feeds the lion cubs so we have before us what you could call predator and prey, the strange world of the wild animal kingdom. 
If you've ever watched one of those programs, one of those uh, National Geographic programs, they can be a little hard to watch because you watch the lion on the hunt and he's kind of low in the weeds and you see that one little skittish deer off by itself drinking at the water hole and you're like, get out of the house, get out of the house. And then the lion chases that poor thing and grabs it and sadly kind of tears it up. And he brings it back to the lair so that the little lion cubs can eat. And God says to Job, can you do that? Well, in some ways, God has designed this fallen, cursed world with provisions. And those provisions are, interestingly enough, something has to suffer and die for other things to live. And there may be a little hint in this idea of the cross and the idea of redemptive suffering of the Savior. See, none of us would ever think and none of us would dare, hopefully, to bring a piece of steak to the lion cubs. Even though they're cute and cuddly, uh, you might want to keep your distance, if you know what I'm saying. See, that world can be dangerous. And that is the picture here. Job, do you even think about such things? Here, here's what's underneath. You, you're questioning how I run the world. You're questioning me about times and seasons and suffering and whether or not I care. I care about things that you probably give little thought to, Job. I take care of the animals and the people. God says in Psalm 50, verse 10, verses 10 through 12, for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains and everything that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all it contains. See, God made everything. Uh, Most recent estimates, almost 9 million forms, documented forms of plants and animals. Almost 9 million. And he cares for them all. Even the raven, the second cameo, the second uh, animal or bird that comes across the screen is the raven, the menace of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, if you're a Steeler fan, you feel me. If you're a Raven fan, I'm sorry, we'll pray for you. But anyway, who prepares for the raven its nourishment when its young cry to God, would you notice in 41, and wander about without food? Who prepares their meal, Job? Now, God continues to ask Job questions so that Job can consider things. If you were with us on our last Sunday service before we went full tech on you guys, I gave you Luke 12, 22 through 32 as a passage for us to consider. And in that passage, Jesus said, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They don't store up in barns like that sad man that built bigger barns and his soul was required of him that very night. They don't sow, reap, or store in barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. How much more will he feed you? Oh, you of little faith. Consider the birds. Again, think about the word consider because that's what God is asking us to do. With each cameo of a bird or an animal, he's saying, look a little bit deeper. Your heavenly father even cares for the ravens. Check this out. This is Psalm 147, eight and nine. Who covers the heavens with clouds? Who provides rain for the earth? Who makes grass to grow on the mountains? He gives to the beast its food 
and to the young ravens which cry. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Pastor Michael Lance and the Walk in Truth team would like to invite you to our next 633 event, One Nation Under God, How America's Christian Heritage Shaped Our Country, with guest Lenny Esposito, president of Come Reason Ministries. At this free event, we will explore how Christianity played an essential role in shaping this country and how the current push toward a post-Christian culture will mean a fundamentally different America. One Nation Under God will be on July 11th at 6.33 p.m. at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. Or you can watch online on our YouTube channel. Learn more about 633's One Nation Under God when you visit walkintruth.com and click on events or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. That is the picture here. Job, do you even think about such things? Here, here's what's underneath. You, you're questioning how I run the world. You're questioning me about times and seasons and suffering and whether or not I care. I care about things that you probably give little thought to, Job. I take care of the animals and the people. God says in Psalm 50, verse 10, verses 10 through 12, for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains and everything that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all it contains. See, God made everything. Uh, Most recent estimates, almost 9 million forms, documented forms of plants and animals. Almost 9 million. And he cares for them all. Even the raven, the second cameo, the second uh, animal or bird that comes across the screen is the raven, the menace of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, if you're a Steeler fan, you feel me. If you're a Raven fan, I'm sorry, we'll pray for you. But anyway, who prepares for the raven its nourishment when its young cry to God, would you notice in 41, and wander about without food? Who prepares their meal, Job? Now, God continues to ask Job questions so that Job can consider things. If you were with us on our last Sunday service before we went full tech on you guys, I gave you Luke 12, 22 through 32 as a passage for us to consider. And in that passage, Jesus said, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They don't store up in barns like that sad man that built bigger barns and his soul was required of him that very night. They don't sow, reap, or store in barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. How much more will he feed you? Oh, you of little faith. Consider the birds. Again, think about the word consider because that's what God is asking us to do. With each cameo of a bird or an animal, he's saying, look a little bit deeper. Your heavenly father even cares for the ravens. Check this out. This is Psalm 147, eight and nine. Who covers the heavens with clouds? 
Who provides rain for the earth? Who makes grass to grow on the mountains? He gives to the beast its food and to the young ravens which cry. Psalm 147, verse 9. Now, I want you to turn to Psalm 104. And this is just going to be a little bit now to your right. The Psalms are right next door. Psalm 104. I want to take you through a psalm that's going to anticipate some of the animals that we're going to see in this teaching. Psalm 104. We're going to start in verse 10. Psalm 104, verse 10. It says, he sends forth springs in the valleys. They flow between the mountains. Psalm 104, 11. They give drink to every beast of the field. Notice in verse 10, he sends forth springs in the valleys. You have the wild donkeys. They quench their thirst. Besides them, the birds of the heavens dwell. They lift up their voices among the branches. 13, he waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of his works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle. All of this is God. And vegetation for the labor of man, so that he may bring forth food from the earth. And wine, which makes man's heart glad, so that he makes his, uh, may make his face glisten with oil. And food, which sustains man's heart. The trees of the Lord drink their fill, the cedars of Lebanon, which he planted, where the birds build their nests and the stork whose home is the fir trees, 18. The high mountains are for the wild goats. We're going to see them in a moment. The cliffs are a refuge for the rock badgers who are chucking their rocks at people. (laughs) Do rock badgers throw rocks? Stop throwing those rocks. Anyway, I thought you might need a, maybe that's a little laugh. I don't know. Who made the moon for the seasons? 19. The sun knows the place of its setting. Thou does appoint darkness and it becomes night, in which all the beasts of the forest prowl about. 21. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their food from God. When the sun rises, they withdraw and lie down in their dens. And then, notice, man goes forth to his work. After they withdraw, man gets up and works and to his labor until evening. O oh Lord, Notice, 24, how many are thy works and wisdom thou hast made them all. The earth is full of thy possessions. Back to Job. Now, you may be asking, this whole thing about wild animals, predator and prey, uh, what's up with that? Well, here's the deal. As a human, do you know that you're at the top of the food chain? Now, I know that there are some people who are vegetarians and vegans and whatever, But man is at the top of the food chain. And even though when we go to the market and we might buy something, it's been prepared by a butcher, so we don't have to deal with all of that. But the point is, is that God has made provisions for all of us. That's the larger point. God designs and God provides. This is from Ash in his commentary on Job. He says, suffering of one provides survival of another. Is it possible that in the counsel of God, this age is so ordered that suffering for some is necessary for the survival of others? Is this process of predation also a pointer to a deeper truth? Perhaps even the truth of redemptive suffering, that of Christ. That the day will come when the suffering of one innocent man will be God's means to bring life to a whole redeemed community. And he puts a question mark on it. It's something to consider. In the book of Ecclesiastes, as the writer ponders the 
th- the deep things of life, and, and a lot of them are tough to deal with. They're enigmas, they're difficulty. He says, a generation, Ecclesiastes 1.4, goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets, and hastening to its place, it rises again, blowing toward the south and turning toward the north. The wind continues swirling along, and on its circular courses, the wind returns. All the rivers flow into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place where the rivers flow, there they flow again. In chapter 3, uh, verses 1 and 2 of Ecclesiastes, the writer says, there's appointed, an appointed time for everything. There's a time for every event under heaven, under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. Some of you have experienced this. You have a loved one who passes away. And within that same time frame, a new child comes into the family. Maybe it's a child or a grandchild or a great-grandchild. And life comes and death takes another. And, and in this, the writer of Ecclesiastes says, vanity, man. <laughs> All these things are vanity because he's looking at life under the sun. He's not looking at life above the sun, if you will, from God's perspective. And this is what we need, especially in these times, but really in all times. We need to understand that our lives are not about just here and now. And trials do something important for us. They remove some of our worldliness. Because if we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. And trials and suffering have a tendency to remove our worldliness. We don't, we don't uh, rely so heavily on the things of the world that are passing away, but he who does the will of the Lord abides forever. You can check out 1 John chapter, one, verses, uh, chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. See, trials and suffering remove our worldliness. Let me ask you, and I, I'm asking myself during this time, do I have some worldliness that needs to go? Some things that grab my time and attention that really don't have much to do with God and his kingdom. You've been listening to I Lay My Hand on My Mouth, part one on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 40. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our Free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on the Apple Music app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Player FM, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go. Well, in Job chapter 40, we watch Job put his hand over his mouth, say, I'm going to be quiet. (laughs) I speak no more. (laughs) And he's going to repent. And he's going to be restored. But maybe right now you're thinking about, hey, if God ever talked to me and asked me a a list of questions. Maybe you're saying, this is what I'd say to God. I'd express my doubt and why did this happen and why this? And maybe that's how you feel right now. But when Job found himself in the presence of God, he put his hand over his mouth and he said, I'm going to be quiet because I know the being that I'm dealing with. See, I heard about him, (laughs) but now I see him. And you know, the Lord made himself known made himself seeable, if you will, 
in a body. He was seen through what he made, of course, but he made himself visible. The invisible God became visible in the person of Christ. He made himself known. He's not hid in a corner. He's not far from each one of us. In fact, he entered into our world. That's the good news of the gospel. The God who made us is the God who became one of us and did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And so even though you have questions right now, my friend, my brother, my sister, just know God became one of us, entered into our pain to answer the ultimate questions. And even if you have questions right now, you will find your answers ultimately in the person of Christ. So don't give up. Hang on. This is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth. We're going through the book of Job right now. It's been a wonderful time. I pray that you've been blessed, encouraged, challenged. I have. And uh, it's been a wonderful time. And we'll be back tomorrow for more in Job 40 and looking at the fact that Job is going to be restored finally. And this world is going to have a restoration finally. Thank God. It's coming. Hang on. And tell a friend about what you're hearing. Keep us in prayer. We'll see you here tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless you. And just a reminder, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events as well. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Job chapter 40 called... I lay my hand on my mouth. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.